Weirdo Weirdo Bookworms Unite! Unite. Do your reading tastes range from dystopian sci-fi to middle-grade fantasy? Dark psychological thrillers to gory body horror? From YA paranormal swords and sorcery? Extraterrestrials? Murder? Mayhem! And beyond! Then we want to share our love of reading with you! Welcome home. Hey, Drowner Junkies, it's Sandra. And this is Scott. And welcome to a very, very <laughs> special, special episode. Epi- no, that's not what I was going to say. <laughs> okay, no, what are you going to say? A very exciting episode to kick off, even though we're a little late, Pride Month. Happy Pride Month, everybody. Yay. From your favorite auntie and uncle who are your allies in however you want to live your life and who you want to love or not love, Aunt Sandy and Uncle Scott are here for you. Hello. <laughs> so we love you. We accept you. So we have been uh, waiting to talk about this book for a while. Yeah. And um, this is a book filled this is a short story collection filled with queer authors yes um and queer authors queer stories so this is unburied a collection of queer fiction and this was put together and edited uh by our friend rebecca friend of the show yes rebecca roland and she's she's amazing and we're so happy to have her in our lives and she does the work she does and puts these collections together so beautifully um I have to really say, I, I'm excited to get into talking about this. There was a lot of familiar faces, and there was new faces, if you will, in this in this collection. And that was pretty exciting, you know, kind of getting like, oh, oh, I know them. Oh, it, 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 I know them. It was really fun to see some familiar names in there. So did you want to share anything with the class today? Oh, man. I mean... We've both been so busy. It's been insane. It's been it's it's been really difficult last few weeks. Very busy with work, life stuff. I mean, the only it's not even genre related, but the only uh, pop culture thing that I've kind of been introducing myself recently is I've been playing a little bit of The Office in the background. Oh yeah, like it in the background at work. Yeah. Yes. yes. I don't like it. <laughs> I feel no, like you've it, said you've said this before that you tried to like get into the office and you didn't like it. So okay, <laughs> I just think this is funny because it's also like this major hot take. After we're like, "Hi, we're your auntie, your uncle. We love you. You're perfect." But if you like the office, you are trash. I, I, it's I I don't feel that way. Sure, you don't. I, You're I, saying it with your eyes. <laughs> I understand. Um, what people enjoy about it. I understand the the type of humor that's in it. And, and I do think it's very funny. A lot of things, I love Jim and Pam all day long, which is the main kind yeah, of like, yeah, will yeah. they, won't I, they I've, relationship. I've not yeah. watched it either, uh, dear listeners. I've seen, I've seen a few episodes enough to know like who Dwight is and who Steve Carell is. And yeah. Well, it's Steve Carell's character in particular that I just can't handle and it's and, I, and again i get the character and i get uh I, I have had bosses that i understand that it's uh skewering but he puts himself in these situations that make me so uncomfortable scott does not like that he is one of those people that can't stand an uncomfortable situation i i really when someone is making like embarrassing themselves you can't and, get it and it's just it's too much for me and i'm like oh. You know, I, I've kind of like. Oh, it's so sad. I mean, even in playing in the background when I'm not even really paying attention to yeah. it, a lot of times, like, right. I'll just I'll, he'll be in front of a group of people making an absolute ass of himself. I'm like, I can't do this, even though it's I pretend, can't do it, even it's though pretend. it's pretend. I, I, I think it says something about how good Steve Carell is. Yes, that it's so believable uh-huh. that it just makes me hurt. <laughs> So, so you might be ending that soon. I, I, I don't I don't think I can keep going. I this don't is think hilarious. I can. Scott's been traumatized by the office sitcom, everybody. I mean, talk about talk about your your um timely hot take too. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, everyone talks about how much they love the office. I said, Well, I'll give it another shot. Nope. Nope. Can't, can't do it. Can't do it. Um, I don't have too awful much to share. Something I wanted to plug though is um over on Spooky Slumber Party, we reviewed uh, The Conjuring Part 3, technically, of The Conjuring franchise, even though it's a whole cinematic universe. And this is The Devil Made Me Do It. And I'm 
particularly proud of that episode. Um, I mean, I'm proud of all my episodes of this and and Spooky Summer Party and the Cult Show, but um, I don't know, just something about this one really made me laugh because we had hot takes. We had hot takes on this, but then it's like you you read or hear other people talking about it, and a lot of people had much the same views, so it's not really like hot takes, not controversial, Uh, but I have a whole witch rant (laughs) in there, and it's just, yeah, I don't know. It's just very interesting how... how things, as they've come more to light, have made a lot of people have different feelings about the Warrens over the years. And how, you know, I was um, very happy with a lot of movies in the Conjuring universe and franchise. And I just really feel like it's put a fork in it. It's done. Yeah. We need to be done. I think I think I watched it with Sandra for the show. And I, I, think, I think it's time to retire the franchise. But did I talk about Spiral on here, though? I don't believe that you did. Yes. Um, well, I talked about it at other places, but I saw Spiral, my first movie back officially in theaters, uh, you know, with the new regulations and, and all that stuff and being vaccinated. And I thought Spiral was great. <laughs> so, you know, watch The Conjuring 3 just to be a part of the conversation, but then watch Spiral and you will have a fun gory good time i don't think you need to watch conjuring three to be part of the conversation i I think you can just skip it i don't think it's worth it well there's that i I, i'll take my hour and a half back thank you very much (laughs) thank you very much for and it was well i'll just you know listen to spooky slumber party after you watch it but never have i had the wolves pulled over my the wolves the wool pulled over my eyes so much with a allegedly rated r film yeah what's that about that's so funny anyway um Tonight we are talking horror. We're also talking sci-fi, psychological horror, as well as supernatural horror, and dark uh, fantasy. Dark fantasy, and there's even, I believe, one is called the Dark Fable. So a little bit of everything in this collection of queer dark fiction. So let's get into it. So as always, um. You know, there's there's going to be stories in a collection that stand out to you that, um, you know, you're going to kind of feel more than others. Um, I'm very happy to say this is a very strong collection, though. I, you know, y- you go into it knowing that you're not going to love every story equally. But I very much enjoyed my time in this collection um, for so much diversity, kind of... In the storytelling, in the writing style, uh, you have stuff that's kind of set in the future, stuff that's set in the past, stuff that's in now, um, and so much to glean, so much to take away. I really have to, I, I'm going to kind of lump this all into one, but my experience was an absolute page turner with this collection i i felt like i really devoured it and i could not get enough of it and i was so happy to celebrate these voices and be a part of it in my own small way and i actually really hope i i can say it as a mass appeal as well um if you like any sort of genre fiction i highly highly recommend that you check out this collection and you boost this sort of content to give these stories and these writers, you know, queer stories, queer characters or or queer writers all, you know, a little, a little lift up and be like, yeah, why not? We need this. We're hungry for this. So I, um, I had a different experience with this book. I I do think it's very strong and I think it's very good, but this book was actually a bit of a struggle for me. Uh, there's a lot of really. It's heavy. It, yeah. Um, I mean, we'll go into some some trigger warnings at the beginning of the spoiler section. Although there's a little bit of an argument these days about trigger warnings, especially when it comes to um, books that are that are written by you know not your typical white males. Uh, that said, there's a lot of really challenging concepts and really disturbing situations that are very real oh, yes. that that really really icked me out now part of that is because i'm not a huge horror reader 
and for that reason, I actually think that this is more of a general appeal is what I'm going to give it. I think you do have to have a basis in horror uh, to 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 be able to handle some of the themes that are in this book. Mm-hmm. Uh, that said, um, I'm able to put on my horror reviewer hat when I read books like this. And I think it's very strong and very good. You know, I... <sighs> I'm not like, you know, saying like, your opinion is wrong. <laughs> like, I'm not trying to state that. But well, first of all, I mean, this book is more than horror. That's why I definitely said genre fiction. Oh, there's the sure. sci-fi. There's all of that stuff. Yeah, it's stuff that's hard to read about, but it's but you kind of have to. Well, yeah, no. And, I, and I'm again, you know, we've discussed this before. Struggle is not a bad review oh yeah no there uh, was times that i was so sad yeah. with some of these stories and some of these stories individually are absolute obsessions yes. for me um you can probably guess what some of them are and yeah. and you might be surprised by some of them Ooh, i um, like a surprise I, I again i think this is a very strong collection and i think that there's a lot of things that i that i learned there's things that i thought that that it got me to think about that is was not always you know is not something i i typically do mm-hmm. but it was hard it was hard for me because um maybe my head just wasn't prepared for that sort of pain i think um a good way to kind of put it is I think we're both kind of on this stance that it's great collection. Um, it deals with subject matter that is difficult in any genre to read about. But I mean, and I, of course, there's like there's specifically some things in here that are hard and that are triggering. But um, I'm still saying just absolutely mass appeal. Go with it if you like any of those genre subgenres we've talked about speculative fiction science fiction dark fantasy horror um because i think it's just so important i think it's important and i wish that this book was on more people's radars so one other thing um before we go into the spoiler section that i really want to encourage everyone to do um first of all if you haven't read shadowy natures go read that but um go listen to our episode on shadowy natures we have an interview with rebecca roland mm-hmm. that is really fascinating to learn how she puts together a short story collection that really um was very much in my mind as i read this to kind of see how those things you know how everything is put together and uh i really recommend checking it out definitely i i second that and I have to say when when you appreciate the flow of a collection, um, it changes your experience with it because I feel like this one had uh, she did a really good job of putting stories where they need to be so that you have kind of, you know, the taste of the last one in your mouth and then you move on to the next one and it's very different. And, you know, there are some that are, you know, you could kind of group together, but she did a really good job of spacing them out. Yeah, no, it's, it's masterfully uh, uh, curated. Yeah. And learning how she does that um, just, makes it even better oh absolutely um i can't say enough good things about this i i'm so excited to talk about it in the spoiler section and i am always when you come out of a collection like this it is so exciting to get to have those voices that you've already met and some new voices and some that you're like oh i'm obsessed and i want everything this person has written i want everything I I love that feeling. It's so rewarding to come out of a short story collection with that. And it's hard to talk about a short story collection without talking about spoilers. So let's hop over to the spoiler section. And don't forget your trigger warnings will be first thing in there before we start talking about each one individually. Hey, Bookworm Buddy, don't forget, subscribe, rate, and review. And while you're at it, find us on Instagram at Genre Junkies. All right, so before we get into the nitty-gritty, here's uh, what we would consider some of your trigger warnings for this. Um, I'll start with a couple that just come to my mind. Very sorry if we miss anything. But um, uh, definitely sexual assault, definitely domestic violence, and I would say abuse in many forms from parents to, again, spouses and partners. Siblings. Mm -hmm. 
I also want to include a trigger warning for self-harm and suicidal ideation. All right. So now you know. So here we go. It rhymes. (laughs) (laughs) Unburied. Um, I love this sweet, sweet little story just to kick things off. Sweet Dreams by M.C. St. John. Uh, M.C. St. John uses he, him pronouns. We're introduced to the Under the Bed Witch. Great name. Great name. I mean, there, there's something so innocent and yet terrifying when you remember being a child yourself about the monster under the bed. Yes. Um, and, and then... It, like okay, so one thing just off off the off the bat that I loved about this collection is I, I personally felt, and again as a non queer person, this is my opinion, but um, that we got to see a lot of queer folks in this collection. Some were very normal, some were very healthy and happy, yeah, and some were mm, in not so good situations. And it was nice. It wasn't that. Not like I would expect this to be the case, but that every queer person was like horrible and horrible things happening to them. You know, you uh, you hear a lot about, you know, kind of uh, movies and things that thrive off of black pain. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't think any community wants to be represented like that. <laughs> I, I see that. And so this one is like, this could be two moms. This could be two dads. This could be a mom or a dad. And I think that was a really strong, great way to start that it's just this kind of sweet horror story. Yeah. I, I th- What I was really looking for in this collection and what I feel that it really did deliver was that balance between stories being very much about a queer experience and others that are just that are your happens your, to be happens to have yeah to be to to uh star queer characters <laughs> and uh when i say it's a sweet little horror story that doesn't mean that it's nice <laughs> I, I mean just, yeah no it's i it's, just mean it's that traditional great little spooky story of you know the parent thinking they're wise when really there is actually something under the bed this time. But now it's under yours. Yeah. Well, she's in yours. Yeah. Mm. Excuse me. And I love, I just love that. Um, Next was uh, a standout in the collection for me, which was Night Follows Night by Greg Heron. Greg uses he, him pronouns. This is the story of Zane who escaped from the compound from New Orleans. Sorry, he's in New Orleans. Well, you know I'm going to like it because I like anything said in New Orleans. And he's escaped from a cult. Just cult, yeah. Which you're going to love anything that involves a cult. Um, uh, This story made me sad, of course. Yes. It made me feel things. Um, But I I also love themes of paranoia. I love this, like, is this really happening? Is this all in someone's head? And even at the end, I mean, the argument seems pretty like, okay, they really found him, but maybe they haven't. And this is just Zane is kind of trapped in in this nightmare forever. Um, A little ambiguous too, which I always enjoy. But I just loved, I loved the way it was written. I loved how it felt real and it felt immediate. Uh, It's... It's written in a way where you don't know if you trust the narrator because the narrator doesn't trust himself. Yes. Um, and I like the way that you put it, that it feels very immediate. Yes. Um, there's a lot of character work with this character in such a short story. Um, yeah, there's a lot put in there. He has this, you know, he has a lot of um, anxiety and stress over his history. He also has... Um, kind of obsessive compulsive tendencies right. when it comes yes. to the organization and and you know his patterns cuz things have been so ingrained. Yeah, I I very much love that character. Yeah. And I'm very sad for the character at the end. I think that that really did happen. I, I you know, I think it did too, but there's a part of me that's like but maybe it didn't. I don't know. Yeah, that was a great one to have a lot kind of put in there. Um <laughs> Next up, not to be a broken record, but another standout, another one I really loved, and that is Flawed by Felice Picano. Felice uses he, him pronouns. Uh, the San Francisco set story with the antique mirror. 
Um, I love this because I love San Francisco. <laughs> I love antiques. <laughs> I love classical music. And I love travel mirrors. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this had like like a lot in it for me to love. And I'm just going to kind of say, I'm not as bougie as the folks in this story. Like the way they talk about, you know, art and stuff and, and, and I'm like, Oh, I, I like, I like where we are, but I'm not with you yet. But we want to be. <laughs> oh, sure, 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 sure. Um, it's a grift. He's a grifter in there too. A little bit. I mean, he's escaping from real pain and real trauma, but he's taking advantage of someone in order to do it. And of course he ends up trapping somebody in a magic portal mirror. Uh, that then becomes a painting. It's portal fantasy meets cask of Amontillado. Exactly, which appreciate that uh, quote at the beginning, Rebecca. Mm-hmm. Um, that was not missed by us. One thing, did you like this story? I did. I, okay, I liked did. it a lot. Yeah. The first three stories of this book were just a huge ramp up into this collection, and I loved all three. Yeah. Um, something that I love that happens in this story, and I've read a few short stories in my day where this happens, and I can't describe why I love this, but the the anta- the protagonist who's an antagonist he's a baddie he did something bad and he gets away with it i can't i love that when that happens in a short story when somebody they don't get comeuppance they just get away with it no he 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 got the life that he wanted in a way yeah um good enough close enough yeah it's working he trapped the proprietor <laughs> in there and you can kind of see him from time to time peeking around um it reminds me a lot of the witches with the painting in in the movie the witches oh yeah but i just i don't know something about that just makes me gleeful that you know sometimes there's no giant karmic retribution the piper does not need to be paid sometimes people do bad shit and they just get away with it it's poetic to me (laughs) when the dust settles by Sarah Lynn Eaton. Sarah uses she, her pronouns. Um, the company, <sighs> the mines. Oh my God, what a good story this was. It's a good story. I wanted more. Uh, Which is a good thing to it was say. cruel how little we were given. Um, I, the, the concept of these, of this company that owns their lives and is just, and is giving them these, these cybernetic implants to keep them working uh, that are <laughs> experimental. Let's say uh, is terrifying. I I feel, I, I, I feel like we're there. Like, yeah. I feel like we're there. Right. And I feel like in a lot of ways, this is not, I mean, this is kind of the way things are handled. I mean, obviously not with this technology and it, because it feels very there in a lot of ways, it feels like, I mean, we're, we're there. So, like we we will be fully there. I mean, we're there without the free health care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, free though in quotes in this case. What we're Americans. <laughs> um, so, and sometimes you wake up with extra shit, so yeah. you can work harder for your company. I um, there was a place that I once worked at. Shall remain nameless. It was a horrible fucking place. Horrible environment. Horrible, horrible, horrible. And it was one of those things that the I had to take the job. The first day there, I just knew, I was like, I've made a terrible mistake. And I did what I had to do. <laughs> I mean, I make it sound like I was being beaten. I wasn't, though there was emotional abuse going on. Um, <laughs> and at this place, there was a bench outside the break room. And it was dedicated to our fellow employees who had died, kind of like an in-memoriam thing. And I was like, dear God, <laughs> do not let me fucking die while I work at this place. Like uh-huh. there was something like they were trying to be nice, but everything about it was chilling and utterly depressing. I didn't know about that part of I I did not know about that bench. Yeah. Or if I did, I blocked it out because that's because uh, I know the place you're yeah. talking about and I, that is that is depressing and terrifying. And I your job does not have to define you. Your day job does not have to be everything. You know, go make a podcast. <laughs> That's what we do. But it shouldn't, you know, we've all, maybe we've all had jobs or had times in a job where you cry mm-hmm. in your car a lot. <laughs> and I have to laugh because it's so sad. And this is one of those places. Anyway, uh, long story short, I can, I don't know, just something about 
when they give you like, oh, here's a coffee pot. Why aren't you happy working here? And it's kind of like, here's limbs. Why aren't you happy working here? I don't know. <laughs> it's a sci-fi pizza party. <laughs> and there's, you know, in America, we especially have this attitude of just work until you're dead. And before the pandy... <laughs> Sorry, I have to call it the pandy to keep myself from crying. Before this disastrous situation took over our world, it was like, oh, it's just a little cold. Why aren't they here pulling their weight? Yeah. And, you know, it's the same sort of, and s- you same know sort what? of thing. It's still that now. Let's be clear. Oh, yeah. It's still that way now. The, you know, obviously companies have to be responsible and they have to protect their employees and protect their customers. But there's that mindset still exists. Now I will just say that I am very lucky that, that my managers, my manager is fantastic at my job. I'm not throwing shade at my own personal manager, but that, that mindset is still there. It's like, it's still there in America. Well, yeah, I guess they're going to use all that leave that they have. (laughs) Well, yeah, uh, and yeah. they should. Thank you very much. I know. I'm the same way. I'm very happy for the work environment I'm in, and I don't feel that I'm supposed to work until I keel over. <laughs> but it's like, it's just, there's so many things about this story that's like, God, it feels like we're there, or it feels like we're close, or it feels like like your boss, like your the company owns you. Like they do, and they own these people. And that is true for a lot of folks out there i don't know chilling great story uh great writing too just in general um i can't wait to become a man by thomas kearns thomas uses he him pronouns um this is a story of sibling abuse um set in texas i don't i don't really know how how else to put it this was where my struggle began and, you know, like I said, the first three were a great ramp. Um, when the dust settles ended up being like, you know, a, a disturbing, but f- in, in a, you know, exciting way. Yeah. Especially with sci-fi for myself. Uh, this is where I, I, th- this one and one other story, I don't know if I can really talk about in a constructive way, mm. to be honest with you. It just made you sad. That, that may be my failing as a reviewer on the show but it was it was really difficult i think that it's very powerful and important for people to write stories about trauma for sure um and it's not always easy to read and maybe it just depends on the spoons one has that day um or or you know or maybe you never have the spoons for certain types of content and that's fine um i admire stories like this that are so hard to read and are so well written because I feel it. I don't feel manipulated. I feel the power of the words and my hat absolutely off to Thomas for being able to write such powerful piece, but a struggle to read. Mm-hmm. So the next story is kind of a fun, dare I say fun, little psychological thing thriller but it's also got kind of a an edgar Allan poe haunting vibe to it which is open up and let me in by laura dehan uh laura identifies as non-binary but says in the bio uh she hers fine (laughs) so um love that so this is of course um woman uh, kills her wife, uh, <laughs> blames it on a mentally ill, well-known homeless person in the area, uh, and was actually having an affair, and then ends up killing- Follows the, up killing her, yeah, too. Yeah. Um, this one I had to read twice. Yeah. And I think part of it, part of that is because of the story that it came after. Um, I was already just kind of like jarred from the previous story that it- I didn't understand the first time what was happening. Um, uh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, the, however, upon the second read, the way you, I mean, it is a psychological thriller, um, you know, similar to uh, books that we've read recently. I, I Specifically, I thought of Seven Lies. Yes. Yes. Oh, I totally see that. Um, 
this one's fun because there's again it it's probably psychological human stuff but there is kind of this perhaps supernatural element that it could be the wife haunting her or it could be her own guilty conscience haunting her mm. right um and i i don't know there's that's just always a compelling place to read from a perspective like that and then you know when it all kind of comes out well she definitely did it and she does it again yeah she's trying not to do it <laughs> she's she's trying to change the events she's trying to change the memory she's trying which, to change the narrative um which that is a very that that you know that is a very real um therapeutic like technique technique that is being bastardized by this woman um i liked the almost i don't know what you call it mixed media way this is written too i liked it was written in traditional format it's written in interviews it was written in emails mm-hmm. i love um i love changing it up in a book when it's done well it sings and getting that in a short story is very tricky impressive yeah, yeah. to do so many different uh voices i guess the next story is one of my favorites loved this story the red candle by Lewis Stevenson. Um, Lewis uses he, him pronouns. Um, This is a a beautiful story about um, a young man whose grandma is a witch and leaves him a spell to become who he truly is, which is he is female. So, so what do, I mean, what is not to love? You have the grandmother who, who accepts her granddaughter, um for who she is yeah uh and you have a spell that you know (laughs) i guess it requires the bite of a virgin but but and a penis (laughs) uh yeah i mean like let's don't get it twisted this is a horror story yes i you know it's like the i yeah it's it's fun. I my note is trans magic and trans magic. I, I, like I love it. it. Um, it made my face hurt from smiling. It made me very happy. It made me happy that even when her boyfriend is dying, he's like, "Oh, I'm so glad she's happy." <laughs> <laughs> um, I love that Grandma knew. Mama knew. Mama had a plan. I love death positive grandma wanting to put on her makeup for the coroner feels on brand for me. Um, and then just kind of like, this is the only way in this time, in this place where these folks lived, that she could be who she needed to be was to under, you know, undergo something heavy, um, but to make it out the other end being who they truly meant to be. Yeah. I just found it so moving it's just so beautiful it makes my face hurt it's beautiful and powerful yes um (laughs) this one was one i enjoyed uh i found it nice and sick uh (laughs) razor knife by ellen olison um ellen uses she her pronouns uh creepy cousins sandra loves creepy children i do and these are like (laughs) i almost feel like these were maybe kind of early high school year children but you know they're from this kind of backwoods place so they're kind of stunted and they're just i i love you know the way they feed off of each other especially bell is bell's a character (laughs) they take having a list to a whole new level you know you're going on the list uh but their list is in blood yeah (laughs) Their list happens to be in blood. Yeah, they've got an altar. They've got a blood list. They've got a head on there. And it's a deer head, but it's a head. I love that they have different motivations for killing the young man. And of course, our narrator is is that if I kill him and I keep him here, he can never leave leave me. me. I think there's a weird little dirty part of ourselves that we all kind of see that. Not saying do it, <laughs> but where it's like, if I ruin this thing, then it's no one else can have it. If I can't have it, no one and can. And our narrator so badly wants the secret world like Bell has with the diary. And of course, for our narrator, he's um, 
presumably gay, at least as somewhat queer, attracted mm-hmm. to a boy. And um, and now he has this, you know, I'm the only one that really knew him. That's why I gave him carnations. That's and- the only thing he knew about him was his favorite flower was carnations, he guesses. <laughs> he- and like you know, kind of cuddling the grave and kind of feeling it. And it's kind of like in this really twisted way, it's like, yeah, I got my little secret world now too. (laughs) But it's very satisfying for me. Obviously, if these were real people and real children, it'd be a different story. But as it's a work of fiction, um, good for him. (laughs) Oh, oh, this was, this was an event. This was an event. The Procedure by Daniel M. Joff. Too soon. (laughs) Too (laughs) soon. Daniel uses he, him pronouns. This is the story of COVID-35 transmitting through the eyes of gay men. Over Zoom. (laughs) I have to say, I I think it's opportunistic in the best way. Yes. I I thought this story was sad, uh, poignant, also funny. Like, you know, the way the doctor talks about we must preserve the gay male. I actually really liked I that. I loved that. I, I loved that. I really liked that. Okay, you know, what is this, 20 years in the future or so? Yes. We, we've actually, through through the horrors of the, you know, COVID every single year coming back and becoming a thing, we now we now actually celebrate all of these different unique people. I think that that's really nice. Oh, I love, I love it. And I agree. The gay male must be preserved at all costs. I love it. I love it. But it makes you smile because it's like, wow, to hear gay be so valued mm-hmm. is wonderful and heartwarming. And the narrator himself, like, you know, I don't know. He has a lot of charm to him too. That just kind of makes you smile as you read it. Um, having to make this ultimate sacrifice for the country and the world, and and it's also horrifying and invasive as someone's gonna come take his eyes. Jeez! But that a virus would develop to that point that you know you're truly isolated. Then you can still hear voices. Yay, good for you. Yay. But you can never touch another person. You can never... See another person. Mm. It's very sad. Um, But it it packs a wallop. It packs a big punch. Um, Next, we have Moi Azie by Christina Christina Delia. Um, Christina uses she, her pronouns. Uh, Two ladies of the silent screen kill bad people as ghosts. Sorry, what's not to love? I um I mean obviously it's the way they the way that their um abuse is described is hard. Oh um, it's sickening and it's real. Uh but what they do after and you know of course uh, uh, they end their own lives but they end up doing some pretty cool things to some pretty bad people right it's kind of it's kind of like they took a bad situation and found a silver lining within it um i like the two of them these absolutely adorable lady ghosts um who love each other uh spending eternity together as you know they as well they should and killing abusers and bad people and kind of delighting in it and getting to take um, some of their authority back mm-hmm. and kind of getting to be free from people's scrutiny and judgment. And, you know, it sucks that they can't do that alive, Yeah, but they're fighting the good fight. I thought it was delightful. So that's the other thing about this story that actually kind of um, bothered me. Uh-huh. Not just just me personally is it was the idea that um, they were only able to find this this empowerment after death um, affects me on a personal level, just in a way that did make it hard for me to enjoy it fully. Um, I think I get where you're going with this. And I think in a lot of circumstances, I would agree. Um, I think what kind of made 
the medicine go down <laughs> a little bit easier for me was the fact that they were from a completely bygone era. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. That there was no... The situations they were in with abortions and aging out of the film industry and being lesbians and all of that and being, you know, just judged and taken advantage of by men. Um, all of that is very relevant, but in a way it's also like they are from a time and era that people did not have agency. There was no Me Too movement, which yeah. I love the title of this. Yes. Um, smart. Christina's very smart. Yep. Um, so yeah, I, th- I say good show. Good show, girl. Um, this one was a difficult one to read, but I got a lot out of this one. Uh, the other boy by Laramie Dean, uh, Laramie uses he, him pronouns. Uh, by the way, Laramie, I love your name. That's one of the coolest names <laughs> I think I've ever heard on a human. Um, uh, the mysterious boy, who sucks the life out of people. So I can talk about this one a little bit more than the other one. Um, But this is the other story that is, I'm I'm a little bit at a loss for a reviewer's voice. So Mm -hmm. let me say a couple of things. Yes. Um, The first scene uh, with the boy in the bedroom and the way it's described with his hand oh, and, and the way it yes. tastes. I mean, it's very, it's it like very disturbing, but the imagery, it, the imagery in this whole story is incredibly graphic in a, in a, in a, 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 like you can taste and smell it. Powerful writing, powerful, vivid, vivid writing. Um, this one is a story that is going to sit with me for a while, and I'm not done unpacking it um, in the in the best way. This was a example of traumatic, hard to read, also mixed with horror that um, that I find to be very effective. Um, I love. I've never seen that before in a book when there's the character's name and there's just a blank. Um, and my my gut reaction to this story is that it's an analogy, if you will, for him, for himself, and the pain and the otherness he faced. Um, and, you know, like even at the end when he goes back you know and sees his dad and he goes and he's gonna get married and he can't say his husband's to be's name and for me there's something about that like like i said that's my gut reaction is that i feel that it's a it's it's a reflection of himself there's a there's a there does seem to be a theme of self fear if not self-hatred um in it it but what the scene that I can't um, that I can't add into the equation for it for it to make sense to me is the scene in the basement with his parents. And yeah, that's um, well. I mean, obviously, it's upsetting to read, and it's like it again. Is this literal? Is this something that he had been abused, or is this an analogy? I get the idea of having a secret that (sighs) turns you into something of a psychic vampire, if you will, where you're pulling the life force out of those around you and yourself because the weight of your secret is so heavy. Um, And that was an interpretation uh, of this story I liked a lot, too. Um, Again, hard stuff to read but i am very happy that i read it and i'm happy that i'm turning it over in my brain i feel like <laughs> laramie dean has given me homework <laughs> so I- i'm gonna put this right here because i i feel i feel a sense of guilt in a respect uh at this point in the book because i i really like being able to sit down and think about a story and and try to to dig out the deeper meaning. I think some of the best conversations we've had on the show is when 
you know, the two of us have been able to pull out those deeper meanings. I, totally. I, I, I'm, you know, there's a particular short story <laughs> that uh, kind of fell into that. Um, this, I, I feel a certain sort of guilt at this point in the book where there are stories that I'm almost too triggered by to really do that with. Yeah. And I think that's fair. That's where my struggle really comes with this book is kind of from a place of being triggered. Oh, I, I mean, I think that's fair. Everybody, every single one of us in this world has our limits and has things that we can't go to or things that we at least have trouble stomaching. Um, I mean, that's just part of being a person in a body, in a life. <laughs> Um, that's okay. And I'm happy that there's instances where one or the other of us can be like, oh, I can kind of like, don't worry about it. You don't have to parcel this one out as much. I'm already parceling it for us. Um, and yeah, that's totally fine. And like I said, I'm thankful for this homework assignment from Laramie Dean, and I will take it on for Team Genre Junkies. So the next one... Um I kind of feel like you're going to like this. I, I think this this was probably my f- my personal favorite story in the book. Oh, this is a good one. Uh, Cut Off Your Nose to Spite Your Race <laughs> by Jay Askew. Uh, Jay, cool name, also uses her, she, her pronouns. I feel like we've read something by Jay Askew before. The name seems really It's very possible. Um, I, okay, so we have a sci- we have a science fiction setting. Uh, these women are part of a breeding program, which breeding colony. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, women are required to give birth to three three children if they are able. No more, no less. And uh, the main character of this book is, you know, in love with another woman in this program, and everyone's cool with that. There's no problem with that. It's just uh, there's apparently a lot of women who are not uh fertile so this is another one where it feels like (laughs) we're there (laughs) this is another one where it feels it's very kind of um like it feels like we're there in the same ways that like the handmaid's tale feels like we're kind of there Mm -hmm. um where (sighs) we're kind of like with the with the other science fiction story where it's like this need so badly to colonize, to take over, to expand our presence. Um, and, and to fetishize our own existence. Yes. It's, it's actually funny. There's there's jokes. JSQ has jokes, and I always appreciate a good joke. Um, but it's scary, and it's sad, and it's also, like, very romantic and like the true nature of love and self-sacrifice kind of comes out at the end um it was kind of you know that thing where you're reading this and you're like this is too not too good because the situation sucks but it's like these people are so sucky this is too good to be true that oh it's okay if you can't breed well just oh it's just fine with your life yeah you can just go get your education you're fine and it's like hmm yeah no um for some people that happens a very small percentage but yeah it would make sense that you can't contribute anything to our society we don't need to keep paying for education of everybody to find ways to contribute to our society the ways you can contribute is by being labor and (laughs) oh pun intended labor or labor yeah there are people in this country in this on this planet uh, who feel that the most important thing that a woman can do is give birth, is to have children. I'm very proud to disappoint those people. Yeah. <laughs> and if they can't, they're, you know, what is their value? What is their worth? It isn't there. That sucks. Um, I think that this is a, the best science fiction is the science fiction that, that you can, um, that you can see. Yeah. That, um, Again, it feels touchable it it this this was very twilight zone yeah um now we get to my favorite story my favorite story yes, it is where i cried i cried i cried um for the gods by robert p atone robert uses he him pronouns 
I there was nothing about this story that I didn't love. Um, I I laughed. I cried. I cried, people. I cried real tears. This hit me right in my heart. This story of self-acceptance and of loved ones accepting you for who you are and for love and this, oh my God, it's so beautiful to experience that, you know, like, I, I don't know how we would describe D. I don't know how D would describe D if D would want to be labeled as, you know, their sexuality, their gender, however they are. And they find and fall in love with themselves yes. and with this other being that is not definable. That I, f- I see one of the things that I love about this is, is that creature can be explained in a lot of different ways. The yeah. way that I view that creature is... Sway. Sw- yes. Sway, uh, sways. 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 Um, one, of the, one of the ways that I view sways is actually being an external embodiment of themselves. Yeah. It's... And, yes. you know, when they reject sways, when they, when they have that fear of that attraction to sways, it was... It was them rejecting themselves. Yeah. And that's why I couldn't find Sways for so long. And Sways finally returned when they found their themselves on the stage. Yes. In front of their father, in front of their sister. And brother Todd. Yeah. <laughs> um I I love that. I I agree. I am so happy with both interpretations of this in my mind. That Sways is uh, a reflection or that Sways is real. Um, I know for a lot of people, some of us, however we identify for our gender or our sexuality is important and defining. And then there's others of us out there that those sorts of labels are not important. Um, there's people who, you know, there's people who are asexual. There's people who are aromantic, too. There's so many different wonderful, wonderful ways to be a person. And I think they're all perfect. <laughs> anyway even if you're not a person you're a person (laughs) like like sways um and there's something i think like a lot of parents should read this story i think um there's something so wonderful to me about like the really hard confrontational scene where dad is saying how you're not my little boy. You're not, you know, the kid I knew. And D is very confounded. Like I'm me. I'm, I'm just the same me I've always been. Yeah. And that is so, it makes such perfect sense. It makes such perfect sense. Or like, you know, when dad was criticizing the way that, that they were dressing and it's like, why? These are just my clothes. Hmm. You know, it's just, is so so beautiful and so perfect, you know, to hear it from a young person's perspective of what do I owe to anybody except for I'm just me. I can't put that into enough words how beautiful and incredible and moving this was. And also, if in fact Swayze is real and Swayze came back <laughs> and they're in love, I can't handle it. I can't handle it. I'm going to start crying all over again. Either way, it's perfect. So the next story is by... A friend. Uh, okay, so I love Azura Knox. Azura, we love you. She's fantastic. Her stories are weird and creepy and, and frightening. Yes. And I and this is no exception. I call this one the kiss of the spider woman vampire. I love it. I just... Uh, it's a fun story. It's very fun. Um kind of uplifting um deep in a lot of ways always always with her stuff there's ways you can read and interpret things right um and it this was a cracking good piece of horror body horror otherworldly horror it's like it's like the scene towards the beginning of american gods but one that i can handle Um, next we have a thriller thriller. Oh, what, what a way to go. Um, in my uh, personal opinion, yeah, this, this story I think is the best story in, in the book. Okay. You heard it here first. Not necessarily your favorite, but the best. I mean, 
also a favorite. It is also a favorite. It's just hard for me to not pick the sci-fi story as being my fave. fave. <laughs> 1,000 Tiny Cuts by Veronica Zora Kieran. Um, Veronica uses she, her pronouns. A story of de- domestic violence. A story of abuse. Of uh, a person truly being gaslit. Of a person truly being... Um, manipulated and then you throw in some really cracking action scenes yep um you all so what i love about this story so much is yes you have it starts off and my first thought was see this is what i actually want this is what i personally want and need to read is just some like really nice queer romance well that went south real fast because you this doesn't, this doesn't belong in this collection. I know, I know. I, it tricked me. It, it tricked tri- me. It really, I was ready for just a little bit of like happiness. I'm like, yeah, okay, just okay. Maybe something love. really sad's going to happen. Yeah. But like, yeah, I really like where this is. Oh, Shit, oh. Nice. Sapphic love story. Some These two ladies met in fell in love. That's cool. The end. Yeah. <laughs> Not so much. Oh, there was a monster in the closet. Oops, maybe. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> But okay, but um, and but so then okay, you have this this horrific gaslighting and and spousal abuse that is like you know it, it's 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 difficult, but it's balanced at the end not at the end but it's balanced when she leaves and her friend and her Peter. friend's partner Peter are just loving and accepting and they believe her and yes. the woman and and the woman at the courthouse believes her yeah after three therapists did not Uh, oh the therapy thing that was that was that was pretty difficult and even and the judge and you know multiple people people asked her is this the only you know proof that you have but they still said but it's okay i believe you right um this was like taking a thriller and kind of elevating it in a way that like this is how i imagine in a lot of situations domestic violence plays out for people not only with the death of a thousand cuts Mm -hmm. to get you there and the slow ramp up but you're going to go to therapists that won't believe you you're going to have to go through legal processes you're going to have to figure out how your life works from now on but it makes it thrilling and exciting to have this really great bloody battle. Yeah. And you're just rooting for her the whole time. So well written. It's so well blocked. You know what I mean? Like it it it, it reads it reads like a filmed scene, like a novelization of a filmed scene where they're, you know, where she's being chased through the house by this woman with a paring knife. Yeah. Um, who was, you know, just trying to get her one last time and oh, so proud of her. So proud of her. Um, the last story is Blessed by George Daniel Leah. And George <laughs> uses he him pronouns. So this story, not my type, of, not my kind of story. Um, Precisely my cup of tea. Exactly. My note is WTAF question mark. Sandra will love this. Yes. I don't get it. <laughs> Now, here's the thing. I'm not going to pretend that I completely get it. This is definitely interpretive. Yeah. Um, I loved it. I love this stream of consciousness style. I love that it feels almost in verse. It feels like poetry. I love that it's violent. I love that it's philosophical. Um, I love that it's gay. <laughs> I, I love everything about it. Um I feel my interpretation of this, and I'm still working it out. Again, this is good homework, Daniel. I'm going to be George Daniel. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm going to be chewing this over Professor George Daniel Leah for some time. (laughs) Finally got your name right. (laughs) Um, I feel that this is a spirit. This is an essence. This is a non-human being being that almost like a succubus incubus but specifically for gay men so i kind of got this feeling of it being okay you know you know the idea 
of course you know the idea, but the idea that that gods are created from an idea. An egregore. And I get I, I kind of did get this feeling that this was almost a god of the you know, the gay renaissance, the oh, gay well, awakening. And and specifically feeds off of when gay I I, I, I read this as gay men. But it's yes. specifically when gay men the fear, the bad parts of someone's life fed this egregore mm-hmm. and made it what it is. It's not all the wonderful, great things about being a gay person. It's all the bad parts. It feeds it and it swirls and it moves and it travels among these men and throughout time. And it loves them in its sick, twisted way, but it feeds off of their pain and their fear and their negative experiences. And somewhere it has a twin <laughs> that feeds off of all the good things. But this one being a horror story is all the bad icky parts. I, I appreciated, you know, the talk of the old ways. Yes. Um, that's what really, you know, that that's what really kind of li- like built that for me. Because, you know, it's talking about the old ways like, you know, it was in San Francisco when that was really kind of, you know, w- when that really, when that, when that culture really rose. Yes. Um, something that I've been learning about as somebody that, you know, we're millennials, we're on the older end of the millennial spectrum, technically, not quite elder millennials, but close. Close. Um, the AIDS crisis is something that I'm learning a lot about now. Yeah. And specifically how it affected gay men and their lives and the experiences of just people you know becoming shells of themselves and of dying and of not being there and um in ways it made me think of like you know the COVID 35 story where i was happy and i was like yes we must preserve the gay male (laughs) you know and then there's stories like this where i'm like it almost feels like this thing fed off of that so that's actually the other kind of theory that I had. Uh-huh. And I, I feel like I feel like some of the experience of this story may have missed me because I am not a gay man. Same. I, I think for me. I think that this probably has a very deep meaning and maybe parsed easier. But the way that that um you know the victim, if you will, yeah. is described being left desiccated. Yes. Yes. Was Which is what, very strong AIDS yeah. imagery. Yes, exactly. Um I am, oh, it, it moves me a lot as I learn about this. And I, I hope that future generations will make the AIDS epidemic something easier and more accessible to learn about and to be taught because I think it's incredibly important. Um, it's amazing that, that science pe- yeah. has finally been able to, you know, people truly survive AIDS. It is not a death sentence, but it's so easy to forget and to not remember the lessons that is really important that we learn. There are people who went through that era that are still right here with us right now. This is not ancient history, though for so many of us taking so many things for granted, it might feel like it. There are lessons that, that we could have used if we knew them, if we had learned them yes. and internalized them through this horrible period, through this pandemic that we're in right now. Oh, absolutely. And the lack of compassion and regard for people who survived through the AIDS crisis. I mean, I have nothing but the, I can't imagine what people were going through at that time. I cannot imagine it. And I just, I have so much respect and I hope that those stories continue to really be told and to be (sighs) amplified. And there was, yeah, like I said, there was like reading in this collection, I kind of had the warm fuzzies about it, about 
protecting the gay male at all costs. <laughs> and then also kind of this other side of it of like, wow, there are people who would be real happy if this entity or if this disease um, genocided a, a whole group of people. <sighs> it's this, this collection took me on a true journey very roller coaster, very up and down, so many emotions. I'm incredibly glad I read it. I will sing its praises. I will try when we really love books, we we try to get it into everybody's hands. And sometimes, you know, the goal of our show is just to get a book into the right reader's hands. But I think this belongs in a lot of hands or hand like appendages that the company gives you. I think if you are an ally, you should look at this book. I think if you love horror, you should pick up this book. Yeah. Um, I think that it's it's really powerful and well done. It is difficult. And if you don't have a lot of spoons, you know, there's some triggering stuff in there. Yeah. I am not sure I had that I had all the spoons necessary for this collection, but uh, I think it's really well done. I agree. And just to reiterate again, happy pride from us and i i promise you your aunt sandy and your uncle scott um love and accept you just as as you are there's a million different ways to be a person and they're all perfect we love you we love you um grab your collection of queer dark fiction and please keep reading past your bedtime mm-hmm.